Hello, and thanks for listening. This is Embodied Astrology, and this is your host, Renee. I'm a consulting astrologer and somatic movement educator and sensate intuitive. In this podcast, I talk about how astrology is a language for understanding our embodied experience here on Earth, what we're going through, our relationships, what's going on in the world, etc. In this episode, I'm doing an introduction for Gemini season. Gemini season begins on May 21st and it ends on June 21st. And in today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about how Gemini expresses in our bodies and what the sensations of it as a sign are. Everybody has Gemini in their chart and for everybody, this is a very important sign. As you'll hear in the longer podcast, I'll be As you'll hear in just a few minutes, Gemini has a lot to do with our perception, our understanding, and how we make sense out of the world. So anyone can benefit by learning about Gemini, learning how to work with Gemini's energy, and in this podcast I'll be offering a couple of really simple embodiment practices and ways to access Gemini in your awareness. Before I get into all of that, I do want to say thank you for listening and thank you for supporting this work. This work could not exist without your support. I'm really committed to offering as much as I can for free. This meditation, my full moon and new moon podcasts, and all of the audio horoscopes are offered for free. And if you appreciate this work, please consider making a financial donation to keep it going. You can also support this work by sharing it with your friends, clicking all the likes and hearts, and just generally talking about it. The other way that you can definitely support Embodied Astrology is to become a monthly subscriber. And when you become a monthly subscriber, you receive my month ahead offerings. And these include an extended monthly forecast, and that comes in an audio recording format, as well as in a PDF that you can print out and use to plan for your life with the day-to-day of astrology and the lunar cycles. Subscribers also get big discounts on my online classes and other products like my year ahead birthday reports. And so with that, I'll let you know that there is a new year ahead birthday report for Gemini. Make sure to check it out at embodiedastrology.com. And you can still get the birthday reports for Taurus and Aries, and those are for 2019 and 2020. So check those out too. Definitely go to the website, check out embodiedastrology.com. You can find links to your audio horoscopes for Gemini season. You can also find that link in the show notes. All of those audio horoscopes are free. They're for all 12 signs looking at your month ahead and some of the most important themes in this month ahead. Thanks again once more for listening and for all your support. Now, Gemini season. All right, so as I mentioned in the beginning, Gemini season is a season. The tropical zodiac, Western astrology, divides the year into 12, roughly 30-day segments of time. And these segments of time have to do with a particular quality of light that's being cast over the earth and a resonance. And the resonance is a vibration. It's a relationship between the earth and the sun. As I said in the intro, there's a lot to say about Gemini. This whole podcast could be about the season and the relationship of the earth and the sun or the resonance, etc. But we are going to focus on our bodies. We're going to feel the way that Gemini is an embodied experience. So to get a sense of how Gemini is in the body, let's just start by noticing our bodies. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, 
bring some attention into your body. Feel your feet, feel your weight, how you exist in relationship to gravity, feel your posture, feel your breath. Notice how your breath enters your body through your nose or through your mouth and where your breath moves as you take an inhale. Your lungs are quite large. They go all the way down to your lower back and the top of the lungs are all the way up underneath your collarbones. And of course, they spread out to the front and the back of your body and to either side. So you might just take a couple of very deep breaths and feel the expanse of your lungs. The lungs and respiratory system are one of the places in the body where mercury resides. And in medical astrology and embodied astrology, this is one of the places where mercury has rulership. Mercury rules the lungs and the air in the lungs. So as you take some deep breaths, try and feel your lungs and the air in your lungs. You probably have two lungs. Now, some people don't, and some people may be used to. Maybe they have only one lung that works now. But you can feel the place in your body where the lungs are and your relationship to them. Everybody has different kinds of lungs. So say hello to your lungs. And as you welcome air into them, say hello to that air. Air, of course, is an element that we definitely need on Earth. We cannot live without our inspiration, without our inhalation. And the function of air as something that allows us to live and be literally inspired, uh, brought into life, is also something that feels a little bit like Gemini. Gemini as a quality connotes inspiration and attentiveness, a mental kind of alertness. When our breathing is sluggish, our minds tend to be more dull. When we're more connected to our breath, we tend to feel more relaxed and present. You might have heard, if you've ever taken a yoga class, that the breath and the mind are related. And this is how Gemini functions in your body. So the yogic principle is that prana equals chitta. And these are Sanskrit words, and the translation, prana, is um, the life force. And so when you see a tree, and it is drawing up nutrients from the soil, and it's taking in oxygen, it's photosynthesizing from the sun, and its energy is spreading out and up. That's the pranic force. It's the life force. It's the movement that wants to move out and up. Chitta is thought, and particularly the way that our thoughts loop. This is very much a Gemini function. And so if you bring your attention now to your brain and you feel uh, literally where your brain is in your body, and you might even just want to touch your head, scratch your scalp, feel your eyebrows, um, your brain is this amazing organ. It's part of your nervous system. And thousands of impulses per second are coming into your brain through your central nervous system, and your brain is making some kind of sense out of all of these impulses. So some of the impulses go into parts of your brain that are not conscious or they're below the surface level of 
consciousness. You can bring your attention there, but it takes some meditation to get there. So these impulses have to do with your organ functions. So there's a part of your brain that tells your heart to beat or tells your intestines to work. You can't be thinking about that all the time. Your body just needs to work. There's also the part of your brain that has to do with reactivity or reflexes. And if you get stimulated or triggered by fear or by hunger, or if you have an itch to scratch or things like that, there's a part of your brain that just responds to impulses. There's a part of your brain that controls memory. And as you know, there might be certain kinds of environmental triggers that could stimulate a certain memory to arise. And then, of course, there's a part of your brain that you might be more familiar with that I call mind. And mind is the part of the brain that is constantly talking to us. The way that we narrate our experiences and we tell ourselves stories about what's going on. We tell ourselves stories about how we feel. We tell ourselves stories about what things mean. This is the part uh, of our beings referred to as chitta, the mind. It's the mental process of identification with whatever it is that we're experiencing. So like you go out in the sun and it's a hot day and you say something like, I'm hot. Well, you're not really hot. You're a human being that's very complex. You're a lot of things. You're experiencing sunshine on your skin and that's creating a hot sensation, right? But it's the way that language becomes an overarching identification and how we use words or we use this construction of sound to encapsulate our experience. And that function is a mercurial function. And you might recognize mercurial as the word mercury. And mercury is the planetary ruler of Gemini. So the way that Gemini functions in the body is through our mercurial sense the way that we give language to something, we get curious about something, we move in and out of awareness and questioning and answering. The meaning of the word mercurial is a changeability, so a quick shift of state from one state of being to another. And usually when we experience those kinds of quick shifts, something is going on in our minds. We've told ourselves a story about something. We've had a response or reaction to something. The interplay between our emotions and our minds has happened rather fast. When this kind of thing happens, as it happens all the time, probably for most of us, a whole lot of stuff can occur around us. We might get into an argument. We might lose track of what we were talking about. We might get distracted in our relationships or it might be something that's very helpful. We might shift from one state of being that's not as present into another state of being that's very present. We can work with these kinds of shifts, the mercurial shifts, um, through being conscious with our breath. And some of the wisdom that comes through a yoga practice or comes through other kinds of mind-body integration practice uh, really has to do with breath. So before I get into any more about Gemini and its functions in the body, let's just take a couple of intentional and conscious breaths together. And before we begin, notice your state of mind. You've been listening to my voice. You've been taking in information. How do you feel in your body? 
How does your brain feel if you bring your attention back to your head and your cranial cavity where your brain is? Do you have any sensation there? And now let's take some intentional breaths. In your intentional breath, you don't have to breathe deep. There's no right way to breathe, but just be conscious of your breathing. Try and really stay present with the breath as it comes in and out of your body. And I'm going to be quiet now for a minute or so. And in this span of time, try to stay as present as you possibly can with your breath. And if other thoughts come in or other stimulation comes in, notice that's happening and then come back to your breath. See if that's possible. We'll just try for one minute. How'd it go? For me, that one minute included probably 10 different thought impulses. Most of them I was able to catch. I didn't go too far in those directions. One of them, I probably spent about 10 seconds spiraling out somewhere. For me, being still with my breath and not thinking is incredibly challenging. And I know I'm not alone in that. I teach meditation a lot, and I've practiced a lot of meditation with other teachers, and it seems to be a very common experience. It's really hard to turn our minds off. Our minds are curious. They are always reaching for information. They're doing the thing that minds do, which is comparing things and categorizing things and telling stories, giving language to our experiences, our memories, our impulses. This is the Gemini function. In our bodies. Gemini as a sign rules language, it rules communication of all kinds, it rules how we hear and how we listen. And think about that for a moment, how we hear and how we listen. So you know that you're just one body with one set of ears or one hearing apparatus, maybe you hear with your eyes through sign. Your hearing is totally subjective. You might hear uh, essence of what somebody is saying. You might not hear what somebody is saying at all, even if you hear their words. We've all had experiences like this where communication goes awry because someone is saying something in some tone of voice and another person isn't able to hear what they're saying because of the tone of voice. Or maybe it's the word choices, or maybe it's something else. Maybe someone is distracted. 
So just because language is being exchanged and we're picking up the sounds of that language doesn't mean that we're going to hear what is being spoken. And then, of course, in the speaking, there's all the same kinds of miscommunications that can happen. We might think that we're saying one thing, but the tone of voice that we're using or the way that we're saying it is conveying something completely different, or for any other reason, our message just isn't getting across. This is the Gemini function in our bodies, in our experiences. Gemini rules hearing, listening, receptivity to ideas, and communication through words. That includes speaking, that includes writing, it definitely includes texting. Gemini has rulership over short and small pieces of information and the connection of information. So when we get a little bit of news, how we take that information and associate it to other things. So when you're sitting, trying to meditate or trying to calm your mind, and your mind is going a million miles per second, and it's jumping from one thing to the next, and any impulse that comes in is going to stimulate a story or stimulate some kind of thought pattern, this is Gemini. So this essence of prana being the life force is also the curiosity force. It's the way that we reach for information and we seek to make that information relevant to ourselves. We want to grow ourselves. We reach out, we're curious, we take something, we bring it in, we do something with it, etc., and so on. We live in a world that has constant stimulation. So there's always something to listen to, there's always something to pay attention to. Unless you live out in the country or if you go on retreat, if you're in any kind of urban environment, or if you live with other people, there's usually a lot of stuff going on. Our minds are highly distractible, and they're moving all over the place all of the time. And this is one of the strengths of our minds. They scan, they do their dance where they're noticing this thing over there and that thing over there, and they're pulling all of that information towards our egos towards our stories. We want to connect with information. We want to do something about it. But ultimately, for most of us, this can lead to a state of being distracted. And we're not really present in our experiences. We're up in our heads somewhere. So when we work consciously with our breath, it's one of the ways that we can work consciously with the Gemini function in our bodies, which is to collect small pieces of information and make that information relevant to our own experiences. We want to be mindful about the ways that we're internalizing information, though, because our minds go in loops. We tell ourselves stories all of the time. And as I mentioned, miscommunication happens at both ends, speaking and hearing. Are listening. When we're present, generally we understand things better. If we take a moment to take some deep breaths, we might be able to articulate ourselves more clearly. Those same deep breaths might mean that we're able to hear the essence of what someone is saying rather than words which could activate us in a particular way. In esoteric astrology, Gemini has a connection to the planet Venus. And Venus is the planet of love. When we think about Gemini in this sense, 
the connecting ability and the language ability is grounded in the heart, or it's grounded in compassion and love. In traditional astrology, Gemini is ruled by the planet Mercury, and Mercury, this mercurial sense that I talked about, is very clever, it's very quick, but it's also very mental. It's not necessarily heart-centered or love-centered. When we work with our minds, it's very easy to go into the mental space, into the story space. Bringing our minds into connection with our hearts is a process, and it's a practice, and it's one of the ways that we can evolve Gemini's energy in our bodies and in our experiences. So the final thing that I want to talk about with Gemini is its relationship to this archetype of the twins. And the twins, of course, are an image of duality. There's Dr. Jekyll, there's Mr. Hyde. There's what's shown and put forward in a more conscious way. There's what's hidden and held back or hidden in the subconscious, inaccessible to ourselves in any kind of conscious manner. The archetype of twins is a powerful archetype, and I'm sure you've seen a movie or two that has a set of twins that are mischievous, or maybe one is quite evil or something like that. This archetype is an archetype of what happens in our minds. It's not necessarily actual human twins. It's more the way that we separate and split off from our own experience. There are the parts of our personalities that we feel good about or that function for us in the external world. These parts of our personalities are reinforced by our environments and particularly the people in them. Then there are other parts of our personalities or our impulses or our desires that for whatever reason we might hide, we might turn away from. And these parts of our personalities still exist. They don't go anywhere. And when we turn away from them or shut them out of our conscious minds, they continue to develop in the unconscious. The two parts of our minds, the parts that are uh, conscious and more forward-presenting and the parts that are unconscious and more hidden, are often in a dance with each other or a tug-of-war or some kind of dialogue. There are a lot of ways to think about this duality or these different parts of our mind. And the way that I want to talk about it is one of the ways that I see presenting itself all of the time in my personal life, but also with almost every single one of my clients and also my friends. So these two parts of the mind, I'm going to call the kind of more productive part of the mind and then the sabotaging part of the mind. The sabotaging part of the mind is the part of the mind that we repress. And that part of the mind is generally very connected to deeper core beliefs that pretty much everybody has that have to do with some kind of unworthiness or unlovability. And I say pretty much everybody has these deep core beliefs because if you're able to listen to a podcast, you've probably been influenced by media in your life. And just media alone will give us so many ideas about how we're right and how we're not right and who we should be and how we should not be, etc. And then, of course, 
all of the cultural belief systems and the family belief systems and the ways that we have to deal with being socialized in school and how we feel our place in the world and external experiences, da-da-da-da-da. Usually, most of us have some anxiety. We have some places where we feel like we're bad, where we're not as good as somebody else, where we don't deserve something, etc. And I know a lot of us work on these deeper thought and feeling patterns a lot of the time, and they still exist. And so it's part of a practice of mindfulness and well-being, I think, to build a relationship with this part of the mind and just know that it's there. So back to the productive mind and the sabotaging mind. The productive mind is when our thoughts are healthy. It's when we're connecting with love, when we're able to take some space to recognize the complexity of everybody's experience, when we're being reasonable, when we can really listen for the intent of something, when we can take feedback without destroying ourselves in the feedback, we can allow it to come in, hear feedback with love, recognize that we're growing, etc., etc. The sabotaging mind is the part of our minds that wants to cut things down. Sometimes we want to cut ourselves down, and sometimes we want to cut something else down, and sometimes we want to cut down another person. This part of the mind is very competitive and it likes to compare things. And one of the strengths of our minds is its capacity to compare. That's one of the things that our minds do beautifully. They go, this thing is not that thing. That thing is different from the other thing. And we categorize and classify and compare. This is very useful as a survival strategy if we're thinking about what food is poisonous or not poisonous or where we went the other day and where we want to go tomorrow. But when it comes to our basic functioning as human beings in relationship, comparison and competitiveness is rarely helpful. This is one of the things that Gemini does quite well. It goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between information And the duality that gets set up in our minds splits us off from our experience. I know that everybody does this. I know that it's part of the human condition to compare ourselves to other people, to compare ourselves to ourselves, and to get competitive. I also know that there's a lot of cultural reinforcement for these traits and these habits. Most of us live in societies and cultures that are competitive, where we compare ourselves all of the time and we have some standard of right or wrong. This isn't bad. It's good to have discernment. It's good to be able to compare ourselves and grow. But when it becomes a battle with ourselves, when we use our comparisons to either cut ourselves down or cut other people down, We separate ourselves from our environments and we separate ourselves from our hearts. And this is, again, one of the main lessons of Gemini. We don't want to get caught up in our heads. We want to allow a fluid and consistent connection between our minds and our hearts. To get into this comparing mind, probably all you need to do is go back to the first thing that we did, which was just pay attention to the breath. That's a really easy way to notice how your mind gets into comparisons. 
but I'd like to offer something that's a little bit more somatically grounded in your body to show you how the mind does compare. And one of the things that I do is that when I notice I'm in a space of mental comparison, if I'm feeling insecure, if I'm feeling competitive, if I'm spinning out in my thoughts about whether or not I did something right or da-da-da-da-da-da-da, I do this exercise. To do this exercise, you can be anywhere doing anything, but it does require some level of presence. And if you're highly distracted right now, it might not be the best time, but you could try. Be safe. Okay. So again, just take a couple deep breaths. Feel your breath in your body. And then notice the difference between your two sides, your right side and your left side. Spend a couple of seconds, maybe an entire round of breath, focusing only on one side. Can you feel your foot and your leg and your arm and your torso and that side of your head and that ear and that eyeball? And then switch your attention to the other side of your body and feel that foot and that leg, and that hip, and that side of the torso, and that arm, and that ear, and that side of your head and your face. Notice how your attention can move if you tell it to move. Shift your attention now to the first side of your body. Feel the entire side of your body, the legs, the limbs, the torso, your face. Can you just feel that half of your nose? and then switch your attention to the other side of your body. And notice how your attention travels with your mind. Your mind can tell your body, body, be conscious of yourself. Your attending mind can travel into sensation that's very specific and that's very subtle, just with the invitation and the name. Now, Try and feel both the right and the left sides of your body as different. So can you feel your left arm and your right arm both at the same time? And notice the different qualities in each arm. There are probably some subtle differences, if not extreme differences. Feel the left leg and the right leg. And notice the difference between your two legs. And then bring your attention all the way up into your head and feel the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain. Now try and imagine the place right at the center of your body where the right and the left sides come together. And bring your attention deeply into that center. Feel the gathering of your right sides and the gathering of your left sides. And notice what this does to your internal sensation. Notice if it shifts your body state at all or shifts your brain state. 
Try and keep your awareness in your center line where the right and the left sides meet and then feel your breath again. And you might imagine how your two lungs are filling up and you might even feel the asymmetries of your breath, how one lung for everyone is bigger than the other lung. Maybe for you there's more capacity for breath in one lung than the other. Your lungs are nestled around the organ of your heart and your heart is fairly central in your body. And as you inhale, you could imagine your breath moving out from your center line, very central in your body. Maybe even imagining that your breath moves out from your heart. And as you exhale, you could imagine your breath coming back into the center line of your body. Finally, in the body, Gemini rules your wingspan. So your collarbones, your shoulders, your arms, your wrists, your hands. This is all Gemini's domain. And the way that you speak, the way that you listen, the way that you hear, the breath you're taking in, how inspired you are, and the way that your mind is moving traveling around in its loops, doing the things that it does, comparing, contrasting. All of this gets expressed in your gesticulation and your communication. And how you communicate has such a big and important part to play in your experience of life. When we communicate with others, we have the potential to connect with them. And of course, we have the potential to not connect most of us want connection. Most of us want connection that feels present, that feels loving, that feels safe. So as you notice your breath and as you feel your breath moving out and in from your center, can you let your awareness now spread all the way out into your arms, into the right and the left sides of your torso and your ribs, Feel your collarbones and your shoulders resting over your ribs. Feel all the way out into your arms, your elbows, your wrists, your hands, your fingers. Feel all the way up into your face and into your head. And again, you could imagine your brain. And as you feel the steadiness of your breath and the movement in and out, the expansion and contraction, you might imagine again the heart energy just filling and exuding into this space. So as I mentioned a few moments ago, when I'm feeling really distracted or when I notice that my mind has gone on a really wild ride, it can be so helpful to do this kind of embodiment, to feel some kind of contrasting energy that is not about comparison in any kind of relationship or cutting myself down, but just feeling the difference between my right and my left sides. And if I can bring my attention into my heart and into my intention of kindness, 
I can allow that energy to start to move up into my head, into my face and its expression, and out into my hands and my arms. I can feel it in my shoulders where I might get gripped or tense. Ideally, what this kind of practice does for me is it gives me a safe space to dwell in my own experience. And when I turn my mind towards my breath and towards some kind of simple physical comparison or exercise of presence, I can also notice with a lot more compassion the way that my mind is moving around. And if my mind is doing the thing that it does, which is to compare and contrast And if my mind is creating some kind of link with my deeper emotions or core beliefs, and it's starting to do some looping pattern where I'm getting into a story about what's happening and I feel myself separating from the experience or separating from the person I'm trying to relate with or separating from myself, I know that thinking about these thoughts and telling myself, don't think, don't think, don't think, is not that helpful. It reinforces a state of separation. I try and clamp down on some kind of energy that's happening. But if I can find a space that feels spacious, where I can observe those thoughts moving around, but I don't have to identify with them, that means that I can be in my body I can be in more of a present state of awareness with my breath, and I can notice the language that's circling around in my head. From that place, I might be able to separate a little bit from the identification. I could hear the story that's happening in my mind. I could go, oh, Renee, you're telling that story again. There's no need to make that part of me wrong. There's no need to shut it off or shut it down or hide it somewhere, but there is a need to work with it skillfully because the story is probably not accurate. As I said, it's probably rooted in some core belief that's not exactly helpful for my present state of life or my intentions. When we work with Mercury, we're working with our mind When we work with Gemini, we're working with our dualities and the different ways that our minds separate themselves, tell stories, get trapped in loops and looping thought patterns, and how that then connects to the external world. Gemini is an amazing energy. It allows us to learn. It's how we take information in and we make it relevant to us. When we're using this energy well, our lives get expanded and enriched. When this energy is functioning more unconsciously and connected with destructive thought patterns or distraction, our lives become really cluttered. We might feel really distracted and our minds might feel more unstable. So I wanted to offer this meditation as a meditative awareness practice for Gemini season. Whether or not these kinds of experiences seem more common or prevalent in Gemini season for you, I don't know. But listen to the Embodied Astrology horoscopes for your sign, for your sun sign and your rising sign, and there you'll learn more about where Gemini functions for you. 
So it may be that in a certain area of your life, you tend to spin out in thoughts a little bit more, or you get a little bit more distracted. And so applying this kind of meditation and awareness, particularly in those circumstances and those parts of your life could be very helpful. I hope you've enjoyed. If you want more astrology, make sure to check out the other offerings for Gemini season, including the audio horoscopes. Those are free and the expanded month ahead forecast available by donation to subscribers. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Gemini season. Bye for now.